Better Than Health podcast, a plant-dominant resource for those looking to expand and elevate their lives. Each week, we will bring you provocative topics and conversations, entertaining interviews, and some of the biggest names in health and wellness to answer your burning questions. You will leave each episode with tangible tips and takeaways and understand what it truly means to live an energized and optimized life. Enjoy. Uh, that there's slower metabolism, they're more likely to gain weight, they're more likely to retain water. And so those are all really common low thyroid-based symptoms. However, they're also often misconstrued with estrogen dominance. That was a quick clip from today's episode. We have Dr. Stephen Cabral on the podcast today. And if that name sounds familiar to you, of course it does. He is the guy, the guru for functional medicine and naturopathy, as well as hormones. We're going to get into that in just a moment, but thank you again so much for tuning in to this week's episode. This is episode 166, I believe, which is pretty cool. We're, we're getting up there. I wanted to, before we got into today's episode, go through and pick today's winner. As you know, every single week I go through uh, the reviews that are written on iTunes and we pick a weekly winner and you will get sent a Hotter Than Health tote bag. We have had a few go out already and I'm so excited about them. They're great. If you want to check them out, check them out on at Hotter Than Health podcast on Instagram and you will see the new swag. They're pretty sick. But this week's episode's review of the week is from, let's see, what did we get? Oh, oh, thank you. This one is amazing, informative, and so many great guests. This is from Michaela 617 So Michaela 617 if you're reading this or hearing me read this, reach out, send me a DM on Instagram, and I'll be sure to send you a tote. The review says, I love this podcast, especially the most recent episode on supplements. I learned so much and I listen to this podcast every week. Highly recommend. Thank you so much, Michaela, for your review and your feedback. Again, for your chance to win, all you have to do is pop over to Apple Podcasts. It's a little purple app and hit follow or subscribe or however you subscribe to the podcast. Usually it's a little check mark on the top of your screen, the top right, and then scroll down, hit write a review and share what you love about the podcast. It is the greatest way to show support for the podcast. And honestly, it's it's better than any kind of advertising that you could think of. So do me a favor. If this is not your first time listening to the podcast, go leave a review. If this is your first time, welcome. My name is Eliza Gelman, holistic nutritionist, and here to help you on your journey of health and wellness. I am so excited about today's episode. Not only did I not get choked up. That's not the right word. <laughs> Definitely not choked up. This is very positive. Last week's episode, we were we were sobbing last week's last week's episode. It was beautiful and impactful, but it was definitely it was a heavy hitter. It was it was heavy last week. So, we're here to bring you some levity. We're here to talk about hormones. We're here to talk about uh, PMS. We're talking about PCOS. We're talking about testosterone. We're talking about hormone panels, thyroid, what to be looking out for, different symptoms. It's probably some t- symptoms that you've never heard of as far as hormone imbalance. We talk about intermittent fasting. We talk about different ways to incorporate nutrition and electrolytes into your body. We talk about oh, 
I can't even go into everything that we talk about because it is just so much. You will absolutely devour this episode. This is one that actually I, when I was editing the episode, I was going back and taking notes and rewinding, restarting, like, oh my God, is he serious about that? And it was, it was as though I had never spoken to him before. And it was, it was a complete new whole book of amazing facts things to implement, things to know, numbers to look out for, and this episode is for everybody. All right, let's get into it. Who is Dr. Stephen Cabral? Dr. Stephen Cabral is a naturopath, Ayurvedic, and functional medicine practitioner. He developed his passion for health and wellness after going through severe health complications at the age of 17. He saw over 50 different doctors. He tried over 100 different treatment protocols, but he still had no hope of recovery. And it wasn't until he met an alternative health doctor who explained to him how he got here, how he got there, how he could be Become well again, and so began his recovery process. He has, after almost 20 years of worldwide internships, dozens of certifications in the natural health field, and a doctor degree in naturopathy, he is one of the most well known and experienced expertise in his arena. And he has internships all over the world Sri Lanka, China, Europe, and various other practices in the US. But he has over I'm sorry, a quarter of a million client sessions, 5,000 hours of doctoral work. And to top it all off, he has just come out with a line of new products. And make sure you are turned in, turned in, make sure you're tuned in to the Hotter Than Health podcast and the Eliza G Wellness podcast for a giveaway because we're going to be giving away a couple of his brand new products that he has developed himself over a period of years with so much research to back them. I'm so excited about this. So with Without further ado, let's learn all about hormones. Get a pen, get some paper, make sure you're listening to this. If you know anyone who is struggling with hormones or anyone who just likes to learn about this kind of stuff, send this to them. Take a screenshot, tag myself and Dr. Stephen Cabral in your social media post, and let us know that you liked the episode. I know you will absolutely devour this. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the Hotter Than Health podcast, Dr. Stephen Cabral. Dr. Cabral, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to have you on Hotter Than Hell. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. I gave a bit of an introduction before the podcast started, but I would like for you to give us a quick taste of what your life is like now and what you do on a day-to-day basis that we may not have seen, you know, maybe on your Instagram or your social media and things like that. What are you really working on right now? Yeah, so my my life uh, continues to change, and that that is how I like it. You know, I I have a beautiful family, two young daughters that I spend a lot of time with. But during the workday, you know, I'm head down all day long, whether it be reading research, uh, writing. I do a podcast seven days a week. I'm the founder of the Integrative Health Practitioner Institute, so we basically take on 100 new students a month and train them how to become a certified health coach and uh, the founder of uh, Equal Life as well, which is the main part of my business. And that is essentially getting at-home health tests to people all over the world, now 27 different countries. And I think it's it's thousands of labs every single month that we go out. And so I oversee the health team there and the vision for that team. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but I wouldn't have it any other way. For anyone who is just listening to this now, um, I think that it's really kind of where 
medicine and holistic practices are going now where they're doing at home testing. I just did my first one a week ago and I was blown away by the blood results. I've, I was not expecting that. I kind of thought they were just going to say, you know, don't be so sedentary or, you know, I thought it was going to just be super generic, but everything came back with so much detail. So I'd love to get a little information on what, um, how you integrate your holistic approach to, to the medicine approach, because I know you have a history with Ayurvedic principles and I'd like to get a little bit more information on how that surfaced and how you still practice in your day-to-day with, by implementing Ayurvedic and, you know, even Chinese medicine into your day-to-day. Yeah. So my, my schooling is as a doctor of naturopathy and my internships though, were done overseas in India in China and in Europe and in the U S as well. And so what I did was I decided to study all the various forms of natural health, not just one form. So I studied bioregulatory medicine in the US and in Europe. I studied traditional Chinese medicine in a TCM hospital uh, in China, in Beijing. I studied all over India uh, for Ayurvedic medicine and, uh, and then other parts as well. So traditional naturopathy and, and then functional medicine, which is looking at these at-home lab tests. But what I wanted to do was not try to fit any individual into one box. So you can only do this type of medicine or only do that type. And I think when we do that, what we do is we leave, we help a lot of people. There's no doubt about it, but we also leave a lot of people out. So my mission now is to really refine the process. So everyone out there is suffering from either some wellness issue like skin issues, migraines, headaches, joint pain, bloating, gas, autoimmune, et cetera, or they've got weight gain or weight loss that they're trying to recalibrate equilibrium, or they might be feeling like they're aging at a much more rapid rate. And so what we say is, well, all of those symptoms are true and that's what you're suffering from. But here's the thing with precision lifestyle medicine, which is essentially what we're doing. We don't just do like blood work that your, your doctor would do for your annual visit. We're looking at your gut function. We're looking at a hair test to look at your mineral levels or heavy metals. We're looking at your exact omega-3 levels. So there's no guessing. Do you need omega-3s or not? Well, we can tell you exactly not if you do or, or not. We actually can actually tell you how much you need. And then we look at your food sensitivities and we look at... So it, it's really to the, the point now where you can discover whatever you want to about your body. And why that's important is because it's not genetics that leads to disease. It, yes, everyone's predisposed to something, but it's our environment and deficiencies and toxicities that allow for that genetic epigenetic expression of the disease. So what we do is we say, regardless of whether you're diagnosed with the disease or not, we're going to find the underlying root cause. We're going to rebalance the body through replacing your deficiencies and removing a lot of these toxicities. And that's how you're going to become well again. And so that's, I mean, my day-to-day is reading thousands of labs and uh, and overseeing the protocols that are implemented. But that is really where I wouldn't say medicine because you know we don't want to say that we're providing medical advice. Only your medical doctor can do that. But that's really where true health is coming from—not sick care, but true health care. Well, I think that that's gotten very convoluted over the past couple of years. Is that it is you don't have to end up sick to get health care. It's you. It's actually quite the opposite. And I think that a lot of times we go towards um, more medical doctors when we're in a panic. When it's the first you know, line of defense. Oh my gosh, 
we're in this panic mode. So we are just going towards our conditioning. So who's our, who's the person who took care of us when we were a kid, you know, it always goes back to childhood. And as this is evolving, it's, you know, it, it might be intimidating for someone to say, oh, well, let me order a Dutch test. Let me order a blood panel to see what, you know, my hormone levels are, um, which leads me into something that I'd really like to discuss is something I know you're passionate about and v- super well-versed in is hormone imbalances. And we have a widely female audience, so we can, you know, scoot in that direction, but I'd like to know your thoughts on what is, what are some of the most common symptoms that you're seeing for female hormonal imbalances beyond just the brain fog and fatigue, because those are in a way generalized. I think a lot of the time people are like, Oh, that's me. If we could go deeper and more specific. And then what are some of your follow-up favorite tests? How can people get them? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, 80% of our practice is women. So I just think the natural health field in general skews more towards women simply because women are more open to the ideas as well, where men a lot of times are more closed off. They're like, well, if my medical doctor didn't tell me about it, then it, it must not be true. And so, you know, I, th- I just think that <clears throat> openness to new concepts is extremely important because in the end, you get to say yes or no. And for me, what happened was I was 17 years old and I got extremely sick. And so I had all sorts of immune issues, hormonal issues, blood sugar dysregulation, diagnosed with Addison's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, type 2 diabetes, POTS, fibromyalgia, et cetera. And, and it took me a long time to find those answers because this is the late 90s and the internet wasn't as widely available, certainly had never heard of functional medicine or naturopathy. And so it took a while to overcome them, but eventually found the right practitioners, put it together. And lo and behold, I have no more diseases today. And so everything is possible for sure, especially for someone given no hope of recovery. Um, But what we see in our practice, and this goes for, well, let's, let's give some real statistics. So about five out of 10 women will suffer from some type of thyroid imbalance within their lifetime, in their lifetime. And thyroid imbalance is very predictable, very easy to see coming, uh, especially before it's full-blown hypothyroidism, which is low thyroid or autoimmune Hashimoto's. And the reason is there's typically higher amounts of stress. There's gut-based dysfunction. There's a lot of inflammation and there's cortisol adrenal issues because that's the cortisol and adrenal issues affect the thyroid. So when women start to have thyroid issues, they start to notice thinning of the skin, thinning of the hair, thinning of the outside of the eyebrow right here. They see drier skin. Uh, They typically are colder, meaning colder hands, colder feet, even during the the warmer months, Uh, lower mood, lower energy, lower libido. And the reason is the thyroid is like the thermostat for the body. So it makes sense that there's poor circulation, uh, that there's slower metabolism. They're more likely to gain weight. They're more likely to retain water. And so those are all really common low thyroid-based symptoms. However, they're also often misconstrued with estrogen dominance which is the second most common uh, hormone imbalance we see in women. And the way that you know if it's thyroid, so we'll go through just a couple more. So estrogen dominance is also feeling a little bloated, a little bit of weight gain, sometimes acne, the chin, the neck, the back. Uh, It can also be hair-related issues, oilier skin, poor sleep, hot flashes, even if you're not in menopause at night, I mean like night sweats. But the way that you, I mean, ideally I recommend hormone testing. So there's a lab called the stress hormones, mood and metabolism test, hands down, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, 
cortisol four times throughout the day, T4, T3, TSH, TPO antibodies, blood sugar, vitamin D. I mean, it's the best test out there. But what I will say is um, if you just want to be able to differentiate right away for yourself, estrogen dominance is strongest the last week of your cycle. So days 21 through 28, if you have a fairly normal cycle, if all of a sudden you start feeling more sleep issues, more bloating, more water retention, more low mood, okay, it's more, more, you might have thyroid issues as well, but it's most likely estrogen dominance. Okay. I, I was the whole time, of course, I'm going through and I'm like, oh my gosh, do I do that? Like, how are my eyebrows? What's going on? But okay. That, that is really, I also want to address some of these things are also PMS symptoms. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think where it gets tough because there are sometimes during the month leading up to your cycle that sleep isn't as good and things are kind of irregulated because hormones are kind of trying to adapt as you're about to be on your cycle. Well, is that why do you want to be testing during your cycle or are different tests different? Yeah, that's a great question. You actually want to test between days 19 and 21. So you just pick one day. Okay. Now this is, if you have a normal 28 day cycle. So um, let's say it's 30. Okay. It might be days 21 to 23. Uh, If it's 26 days, okay. Back up just a day or two before. And the reason is that you know, we're looking at the follicular phase, the first 14 days and the luteal phase, essentially the last 14 days. But really what we're talking about is days like, let's say seven through 14 or so follicular phase and days, let's say 18 through 25, 26 luteal phase, because there's too much imbalance on the other points. So during the luteal phase days, 19, 20, 21 should be your highest point of progesterone. So that's when essentially the body's saying, okay, we're at peak luteal phase, best time. Now you might say, well, not necessarily the best time to get pregnant, but yeah, best time really to get pregnant doesn't mean that that's necessarily going to happen those specific dates. Um, But it's also when estrogen should be at its lowest ratio in the body. So we talk about PMS symptoms. Uh, PMS is something that women have been told that they need to deal with literally when that's not necessarily the case. Now, is there going to be some fluctuations maybe in sleep, energy, mood, maybe a little bit, but not to a great degree. So we're talking about degrees. If it really, uh, if it changes the way that you're living your life in any way, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, then it's, it's an issue because it shouldn't be that way. And the reason why it is that way is not because estrogen is usually too high. So we've run well over 10,000 stress hormone, mood and metabolism tests over the last decade. And I can tell you that nine out of 10 women have normal estrogen, completely normal estrogen days, 19, 20, 21. The problem is their progesterone is too low and their progesterone is too low, typically because of stressors on the body. It can be mental, emotional stress, life in general, life can be stressful, or it can be gut-based. Okay. You have to have digestive issues. You're feeling bloated. You're not feeling well, or it can be actual like physical pain-based. There's also one more, which is infections, which is why sometimes, you know, people get the virus or a virus and then they miss their cycle the next month. Well, it was because it was a major stressor in the body. So those are all reasons why. Okay. And so for me, for instance, there have been times where my cycle, I will, I'm also, I try and really like cater to the different phases. So maybe I just lean in too much, but during the luteal phase leading up to my cycle. And then first couple days of it, I do not want to do high intensity interval training. I do not want to do my typical workouts. I am just 
it's a no. I'm walking, I'm sauning, I'm chilling, but still moving. Is that too much? Is that what we would consider on a spectrum of it affecting your day-to-day? Would that be too much? Is that something you would consider like, hey, that's affecting your life? Well, I mean, I think that is subjective in a way, meaning like, how do you feel about it? Because taking two days of self-care, I think is amazing. You know, I mean, that's, that's basically saying these two days, um, I don't want to overstress my body because I can feel that I'm kind of on that verge. But if you, if you keep yourself balanced through lifestyle, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because if you were to push yourself more norepinephrine wise or cortisol wise, certainly that would push you more into dysregulation, dysfunction, and could even dysregulate your cycle. So I think that that's a good way to look at it. I would have no problem with you doing that since you're getting the benefit of the walking, the lymphatic drainage, the sauna, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was going to say, I feel like there are some people who can't leave their bed and they're mm. in pain or, or, or it's just so much of a mood fluctuation that it, it distresses them from taking on anything new, um, taking any type, anything, everything's very critical. Um, yes. and I think that that's also, that's tough too, but this leads me into something more specific. PCOS. Is this something you deal with constantly? PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yes. And it's, it's also degrees as well, because mm-hmm. unless you've been actually diagnosed where they're looking for cysts, then so many women have it and don't necessarily know it. Meaning that uh, we see eight out of 10 women with some level of estrogen uh, dominance. Again, it just depends on how greatly it affects the life. And then we see five out of 10 women with, with thyroid issues. So when you're looking at PCOS, it's degrees. And it's because not one thing causes PCOS. That's why conventional medicine has such a hard time with it. But the lab that I just spoke about, the stress hormones, mood and metabolism, what are you looking at for PCOS? You're looking at estrogen dominance. You're looking at high levels of testosterone. You're looking at insulin dysregulation high levels of cortisol and thyroid imbalances. And all of those can lead to the same exact feelings and symptoms, especially the weight gain, acne, bloating, low mood. It's like all the same symptoms. And so you say, well, which one is it? To be honest, you don't necessarily, and I know that like everybody wants a diagnosis. So I get that because we've been led to believe that through conventional medicine, but really all we're doing is giving a name to our symptoms. Really what you don't want are the symptoms. So what we do is we say, okay, Based on your labs, you have this and this. It's usually never just one thing. Okay, let's work on those. Let's forget about this name PCOS you know, for a moment. Let's work on the underlying root cause of PCOS, which is basically, like I said, high androgens for testosterone, the insulin imbalance with blood sugar, high levels of cortisol, especially at night, low thyroid estrogen dominance. Well, you can work on all of those at the same time. And you should, because many of them have the same underlying root cause reasons. Absolutely. And I, I can think of, 15 people off the bat that have been diagnosed with PCOS and maybe they didn't know that they had PCOS or maybe their cycles were irregular. Maybe they were trying to get pregnant, whatever the circumstance was. Do you feel like it's overdiagnosed? And I want to hear your thoughts on being prescribed contraceptives as a fix for the symptoms. People age at different speeds, and the date on your license may not represent your inner biological age at all. If you're looking for ways to extend your health span and slow down the aging process, the keys to health and longevity run in your blood. That is why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to boost your metabolism, reduce stress, improve sleep, 
and optimize your health for the long haul. This was created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you are not. As you've probably heard me talk about it on this episode or on this podcast, that I had some blood work done with Inside Tracker as well as a DNA swab. All of it took cumulatively five minutes. I am so impressed not only by how accurate and how detailed their analysis was, but I'm also so impressed by the speed in which I got my results and the speed at which everything was processed and done for me. Someone came to my house, they did everything for me, and they made it so easy and simple. But I did realize and find out that I actually needed to be on a closer lookout for my cholesterol and my blood pressure, which I'd never considered an issue. It's not a big running factor in my family. And it was really, really eye-opening to have different recommendations given to me by a facilitator from Inside Tracker, letting me know things that I could do that wasn't just, you know, get around, get up, get moving more, have some healthy fish. It was more than that. It was extremely detailed and it told me how much I was not optimized by, what I needed to get to, and then it recommended the next time to test. So, for a limited time, you can get 20% off of your entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash hotter than health. Again, for a limited time, you can get 20% off and figure out where you're optimized and where you're not. Just go to insidetracker.com slash hotter than health, insidetracker.com slash hotter than health. All right, get out a pen, get out a piece of paper and write this down. All you need one scoop of vanilla plant-based protein powder from Organifi, one-fourth of an avocado, a couple chunks of mango, a little coconut water or regular water, a couple of blueberries, and a dash of cinnamon. And you can add some banana if you want a little bit of volume. Blend it up. This is your new jam. I am absolutely obsessed with this recipe. It's something that I have been putting my clients on for the past few months. And I'm telling you, it is the best way to have a balanced breakfast. You've got your protein, your fat from the avocado, carbohydrates from the mango and blueberry, maybe some banana, and you've got your fiber all around. It's a full balanced meal. And since it's getting a little bit warmer outside, it's smoothie season, people. All right, if you're living in Charleston like me, it's time for a smoothie. It's 77 degrees outside. What are you doing? I am obsessed with the protein powder from Organifi. You all know that this is one of my favorite products by them. I've been working with them for over six months, and I can tell you that every single month we go through a tub of this protein powder. That's my boyfriend and I, not because it is small, but because we love it so much. I'm a stickler for ingredients. I'm a stickler for my protein powders, and I only want the best. This has been glyphosate residue-free checked, which means that it doesn't have those cancer-causing carcinogens that a lot of products do have heavy metal tested. It has digestive enzymes and an amazing nutrient profile. It also doesn't clump up. It's easy to travel with. And the tub that you get is massive. You are getting what you're paying for. And if you use the code 20, if you use the code HTH, HTH, you can get 20% off of your purchase. Just go to Organifi.com, use the code HTH, or just go to Organifi.com backslash HTH, and you'll get 20% off. They're not offering that to anyone except for these Hotter Than Health listeners, so make sure you're taking full advantage 
check that out. Check out the red juice powder. It is one of their star products as well and the green juice that you know I have every morning. But trust me on this smoothie, you will not forget it and make sure you add the cinnamon. It's the best. Again, code HTHorganify.com for 20% off. Yeah, I, one, I think it's probably underdiagnosed um, because people don't know enough necessarily to ask for it. Um, so I think okay. that's part of it, but also it, it's a fuzzy, because what you're doing for the most part is it's symptomatic. And so then you're going in and you're getting, just like you said, some type of contraceptive birth control, et cetera, which is possibly going to help with exactly what you need if it's estrogen based, right? So, cause you can get a, you can get a contraceptive, you can get basically birth control. That's high estrogen, high progesterone, a combination of both. And so you say, okay, well that fixed whatever this hormonal imbalance is, but did it really, it didn't not from an underlying root cause. It certainly did from a symptomatic cause, just like, you know, it's the same thing. If you have high cholesterol and your cholesterol is like 280 and your doctor puts you on a statin and, the, and your cholesterol goes down. Did it fix the reason why you had high cholesterol? No, but it stopped your liver essentially from being able to, to produce more cholesterol. It's like and taking so, a Tylenol and your fever goes away, but it, are you actually better? No, your fever just went down because it's a fever reducer, right? right? Okay. Yes, exactly right. So what you want to do is you still want to look for the underlying root cause. And um, if, if it helped your PCOS, it was only because the PCOS was estrogen progesterone related, not necessarily testosterone, because it wouldn't have anything to do with that cortisol, et cetera. So I would look at that. I mean, blood sugar is such a big part of PCOS, which then affects the androgens, your testosterone. So too many women are not told about their nutrition, about walking, to help lower blood sugar, postprandial walks, meaning like after, uh, after a meal, you go for a 20 minute walk. It doesn't allow your blood sugar to spike to the same degree. So mm. it's just like just little things that we can be teaching people that are so highly effective and intermittent fast overnight from 6am to eight in the morning. I mean, we can talk about all these things that are pretty straightforward. Once you add maybe one new thing a month and all of a sudden within six months, you're all of a sudden better. You know, it's, mm. like, it's all, using inositol. It's another one as well. Like, you know, we, it's in, um, we use a product called estrogen balance. It contains I3C it contains dim helps with estrogen balance. You add some inositol to it and it can do wonders. Again, you don't do that forever, but you do it to help with the symptoms while you're then rebalancing the neurological root causes. Is that the same thing as Ovastol? Yes. That's just, uh, Ovastol is just a specific type of inositol. Okay. 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 Got it. Got it. And I want to also ask this, a lot of doctors test for one type of thyroid or testosterone. I can't remember what T level they're testing for, but they're usually testing for one thing when they need to be testing for multiple. If someone is going to their primary care and they want to make sure that they're doing their research, of course, every doctor's like, don't go to Google, like all these things, but what can people be making sure of that their doctors are testing for to cover all the, all the thyroid levels, um, when they go in for their testing, if they don't do an at home. Well, you know, here's the issue, and, and I will absolutely share that with you. I'm always happy to. Um, you're asking your medical doctor to do something they, he or she is not trained to do. That's mm. basically, so it's like, if you ask me to give you all the contraindications of using a diuretic blood pressure medication, like a calcium channel blocker, a statin and a anti-anxiety, I'm not the person to ask that. Like, that is not my wheelhouse. Like, do, I mean- I can just point you in the general direction. That's it. Got so it. when you're asking your doctor, 
to look at a functional medicine or a functional level of what your thyroid is doing, they don't know that epinephrine or uh, norepinephrine blocks TSH from becoming T4. They don't know that cortisol, especially in the evening, blocks T4 from becoming activated T3, which is 70% of the usable thyroid hormone in your body. They don't know that high levels of stress shunted to reverse T3, which is unusable thyroid hormone. So everything looks good. You're at, again, you're asking them to do something they've never been trained to do. It's actually unfair to do that to them. Mm-hmm. Medical doctors, you need one because you want to make sure they are there to help you with acute based care, life-saving conditions, annual checkup. You want to do that. Then everyone needs an integrative health practitioner or a health coach or a naturopathic doctor that whoever you feel comfortable with to help with the actual health base. And for those people, you want to look at free T4, free T3, TSH, and if you can, TPO antibodies, which is the more of the autoimmune part of it. Um, That will tell you how your thyroid is truly functioning. Okay. And that's where all the Hashimoto's diagnoses come in. And that's where, that's where that works. That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. That's the TPO antibodies, Um, but just low thyroid hypothyroidism um, would be a TSH above 2.5. Essentially you want your TSH between 0.5 and two. And so if you see a three on your lab work, your doctor will say, well, your thyroid's within range, which is why, again, you don't want to see your medical doctor just for functional medicine use. You do want to see them for, you know, sick based care. And so what I'm saying is their medical conventional medicine is a wider range. They're 0.5 to five for their TSH. And that's because they don't diagnose hypothyroidism as a disease until your TSH is over five. I think that's Remember. what I was talking about. I think that's what I've heard. People were like, but it's, it was on this huge spectrum where of course, okay. 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 Yes. And, and the thing is, it's also very confusing because you might think that more means your thyroid's working better. Like if you have a four or 4.5 for your TSH, you're like, well, no, my thyroid's well within range. It's between 0.5 and five, but the more so if your thyroid, ideally your thyroid's a one, somewhere right between like 0.5 and 1.5 or two. And that means that there's not a lot of call for thyroid, meaning like TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone. So the hypothalamus tells the, the pituitary gland in your brain to tell the thyroid right here in the neck, how much thyroid to produce. Well, if there's not a lot of call for it, that must mean that the cells in your body are getting the thyroid hormone that they need. So there's not a lot of call for it. But if your thyroid is now a four or five, or someone someone has a 13, well, now it doesn't need more thyroid. It actually means that it's not getting to the places it needs to be, which is why your brain keeps telling your thyroid to produce more. Got it. Okay. I was wondering about that. Um, That makes so much more sense going back to my original question. And you're saying, so cortisol level, level lowering activities at night and then after your meals. So going out for... (laughs) a walk, going out for a quick walk after your meals to help regulate your blood sugar levels a little bit more steadily. And then maybe things like turning off the blue light. What are some things that you personally recommend for later in the night when the sun goes down uh, to lower cortisol levels to help with all of the proper production for your thyroid? Yeah. And so if we're keeping in mind that thyroid starts to begin highest peak production around three or 4 a.m., it actually starts the night before because there's nothing you can do when you're in bed at three or 4 a.m., right? It's just, it's being produced uh, hopefully at the right time. So that does start really the night before. And, and as the sun is setting, it's always nice. Again, if you can be outside, if you're in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, like I typically am, you're not walking outside at you know 
at eight o'clock at night or seven o'clock at night or in the winter, 4.30 PM, oh, uh, it's freezing out in the, in the actual sun setting, right? So that doesn't make as much sense. But after seven o'clock, 7.30 at night, you really just want to turn off those bright lights in your house. You want to, if, if you have to keep them on, you want to use blue blocking glasses. Ideally, um, I always say no phones, no iPads, anything like that after 7.38, if you need to put them on the, the dark mode, uh, which is the, the low blue light mode, use blue light blocking glasses, super simple. We, we like to use salt lamps in my house um, after 7.30. So it's a nice amber glow. You don't get the bright glow. So simple things like that are great. And then have a wind down routine, meaning like nothing stimulating, um, like no watching the evening news, you know, before bed, read a book, watch something funny, um, anything like that, I think is, is good activities. Meditate, stretch, sauna, take an Epsom salt, uh, you know, how Epsom salt bath, all these are great activities to do. Okay. So I feel pretty good. We're like using the infrared sauna while we watch Seinfeld with our blue blocking glasses and then we go read. So we're, <laughs> there you go. we're like, that's excellent. Modern day grandpa George over here at our house. That's great. Um, okay. And you touched on this earlier and I have to dig in on this because I'd like to hear your perspective on intermittent fasting, because there are so many times where it's done to a point that it causes damage. And I want to talk about that a little and see what your cues would be for maybe, okay, it's time to break the fast. Cause I think a lot of people get pretty dogmatic about it where they have to stick to a certain number of hours or else they feel like they didn't accomplish anything. Um, what would be some cues that would let you know that maybe this isn't a good thing or, um, on the flip side, what are some true, true benefits that people could be seeing from proper intermittent fasting? Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's pretty amazing because this one topic is by far and away the most popular thing that I've talked about over the past year. We literally yeah. have a separate podcast just dedicated to intermittent fasting. I mean, it's, it's, it's the it's simplest insane. thing, but yes. it yeah. affects so much, but it also like, I think that the simpler, the more people want to dig into it and tear it apart. You That's know, right. it's like yeah. the Occam's razor kind of thing. Well, it's and it, cause it's too simple. That's, that's the problem. So it's the closest thing we have to the fountain of youth. It's the closest thing we have to being able to heal the body naturally, like all these different things, but in our Western-based mindset, it's just completely overdone. So, and the thing is, if you learn the origins of intermittent fasting, which is actually going way back to Ayurvedic medicine and traditional Chinese medicine, and then over here in the US and in Europe, it's called the um, natural hygienists, the traditional naturopaths. They would take people and they would, they would water fast them. There's no doubt about it. <clears throat> but that was for a certain period of time. And then it stopped. And then they did intermittent fasting on a daily basis, but it was always upside down. So the trick to intermittent fasting is not necessarily skipping breakfast when you're stressed because your body then starts to do what? Produce more stress hormones. And unfortunately, it affects women to a far greater degree. So we see women, I mean, we help women all the time coming off of keto diets where they've really wrecked their metabolism, low carb for too long. I'm a, I'm a fan of low carb as well yeah, for about 21 days. Right. And then yeah. we start to reset. We start to reset because you can't be in it for that long or your body believes that you're in a state of stress because it's a hermetic stressor. Right. I believe in functional medicine detoxes, but not for more than seven to 21 days. So I believe in all these things, but we just do too much of it. So what happens is this um, it's very easy to test for. You just literally test your thyroid levels and your cortisol levels and you see how you're doing specifically and estrogen levels, of course, for estrogen dominance. But we found this that the the truth is too, the more hours you fast before you go to bed, the better your sleep is. And anybody with an aura ring or any type of biometric device can track this. 
If I skip dinner, my HRV is higher than it typically is. My deep sleep is better. My body temperature is lower. My breath rate's lower. Okay. Every single time. And I wish that wasn't the case, but it is because as human beings, we wake up and we would never say, oh, I'm not going to, I'm going to skip breakfast. I've got all this work to do outside. No, we would eat food to buffer the highest amount of cortisol, which is between six and 8 a.m. Not going overboard. We just have a normal day. We get a fuel for our day. We don't need to be running on fumes. And I could get deep into the science on this, which I've done becoming too catabolic and starting to break down muscle tissue because liver glycogen is low, but I won't go into that today. So the truth is that if you do a lighter dinner, easier to digest right before bed, and you still want to do 16 hours, okay, you can still fast earlier in the day. You can stop eating at five. You've got seven hours till midnight. And you've got till nine o'clock the next day. That's 16 hours. So you can still do three meals a day. You don't need to go until noon. The whole idea of skipping breakfast is very, very uh, foreign concept in any form of natural health. Mm -hmm. And it's more of a badge of honor to make it to breakfast. Now, again, we have some people fast until 10 a.m. Seems to work great for them. And then they break their fast at six. But for most people, we stop at six at night and we start eating again at 8 8 a.m. It's 14 hours. It's a great compromise. There isn't a magic number to 16. That's all made up. I mean, did a, a show on when autophagy really kicks in and, and when there's liver glycogen depletion. The truth is, it's actually different for each person. I was just about to say, every body is different. That can't make any sense. That's right. And so 16 hours, there's no special number to it. Like there really isn't. Um, and okay. so what we do is we try to bio-individualize it as much as we can for each individual. So it's 3.30. So I'll have dinner at four. Perfect. This is great. Thank you. Um, well, a lot of people do. And I'm, I'm telling you, check your bet. I, now I can't, it, I mean, technically I could, but there are things we do also do for our partners or our family. And my family has dinner at 5.30. So I've got two daughters. They're seven and nine years old. I'm not going to skip dinner. Now, have I before? Of course, when I'm doing a functional medicine detox and I'm not doing dinner that night. Yeah, I, I skip dinner. Um, so anyway, 5.30, finish at 6. I eat at 8 the next morning. Seems to work great for my body. I start getting back into work. All these things are kicking in. But I will say that, again, everything that I'm saying also can be broken if you know how to break the rules properly because it works for your body. So three out of four Mondays a month, I actually go one full day fasting. I go from Sunday night at dinner. Okay, I probably do a cheat meal on Saturday night or flex meal, whatever you'd like to call it. And then on Sunday night, I finish dinner at 6. And I have dinner then that next day, 24 hours later, and that is a 24 hour fast. And so, but I'm doing that and I've worked up to it because I used to do, you know, specific shakes during the day to get me there. Everything's stable now and it's not a big deal. So again, it's kind of, um, in the end, when you're, you have a lot of metabolic flexibility, it's actually easier in your body. Your body's used to the hermetic stressors in the beginning. It can be quite detrimental to the hormones. I, I love that because I used to do, I would start with, you know, doing a 16 hour fast or so one week, and then I would lead up to doing a 36 hour fast. And at one point I did a four, it was like a 40 hour fast, but I knew that it was getting, it was too much. So I didn't, I just ate. Um, but I remember thinking, you know, you go to bed and you're starving and you're like, Oh my God, I can't wait for the morning. I'm so excited. But then you wake up in the morning and you feel incredible. There were no, usually I have like huge scoops under my eyes, these big puff balls, but I had no puff under my eyes. I felt so energized. I was ready to go work out. And everyone was like, how would you be ready to go work out? You haven't eaten in 40 hours. There was something about it that made me feel so clear and energized, which I think that I also did it at a good time in my cycle. So that I'm sure had something to do with it. Um, 
we have to hear about your full day today. Like we have to hear what you're eating, what you're doing, what kind of foods you normally gravitate to and, and what are the benefits for men for intermittent fasting? Well, and I can tell you that it's not, it's not necessarily fair, but it is still nonetheless true for women. Intermittent fasting is much harder on their body. And the reason is that they're meant to, (coughs) excuse me, Mm -hmm. their bodies are meant to sustain life. So we have to understand is that a woman's body has to know if the environment is safe to bring a child into. And if it's not, it's going to dysregulate her cycle. So the more stressed she is just from uh, lack of water, lack of food, lack of sleep, emotional stress, the more difficult it's going to be in order for her to keep a, a normal cycle. So if she does larger amounts of intermittent fasting and she's telling her body that you're hypocaloric, there's not enough food, or you go long periods without food. And that's in addition to regular stress in your life. And you're not getting enough micronutrients because again, people are trying to do like one meal a day or two meals a day. Good luck getting all, you can get your macros in, but good luck getting all your micros in, which are vitamins, minerals, omega threes. It's a whole different story. So you might feel great in the beginning, but then six months later, you're totally depleted. And, And again, that's when we start to see people and we, you know, we, we put them back together, but it's better not to do it in the first place. So for a meal, it's easier. Why? Well, again, like biologically, you might be thinking about it saying, okay, a male might need to go and expend more energy in order to hunt, in order to walk for 13 miles for the day, whatever it might be. And they don't have to sustain life. They don't have to carry on life. And so their body might be able to endure a little bit longer without fasting. They might be able to better deal with that stress. And they don't have as much of the fluctuations with estrogen, progesterone, of course, naturally, And they also don't, they're not as susceptible to thyroid issues. They just aren't meaning one out of 10 men, one out of five. So it's like, it's, it's twice as likely in women. So, but I will say that the moodiness and irritability and lower energy and brain fog all affect men as well. And it also lowers men's testosterone if it's a chronic stressor in the body. So then that can lead to all sorts of mood issues, low energy, low libido, low ambition, low drive. Um, it can thin the hair. You do a lot of the same things. And you can see sometimes when men fast too much, okay, they got leaner, but their eyes become more sunken, their cheeks become more sunken. And it's not, you know, they're kind of obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not vitality inducing as much as it is just physically leaning them out. Totally. Um, well, thank you for that. And I was always interested because my, my boyfriend, he, wakes up at 5am every morning. He owns a personal training studio. So he's there all day. Like he'll come back for a quick nap in the middle of the day and then he runs it and he's there until six o'clock every night. And so it would be challenging for him. Um, I want to talk to that, that intermittent fasting situation for let's say women who work in the fitness industry, who are waking up at 5am and then who are going to bed, you know, at 10, nine, like how can we construct a healthy intermittent fast? If we're waking up at four to go coach a five o'clock class, you know, what, what might that look like for someone who's super busy? Like they need fuel. They can't be awake for that long going, going, going. Um, but also they get home at seven, you know, and they want to eat with their families. What's the, what what do we do? Well, the the fitness field contains some of the most dysfunctional people in the health industry. Isn't it funny? And I used to be in it. So um, from 1996, uh, for the next 10 years, I was a personal trainer and nutritionist. 
So I know what it's like to work up at four, wake up at 4 a.m. and work with clients at 4.45.5. And it's You're, so dysfunctional. Like, everything is so, so effed up. My cravings are everywhere because you have the anxiety of waking up so you don't sleep as well. And then yeah. it was the least in shape I've ever been in my life. <laughs> well, you're, you're dysregulating your blood sugar, your cortisol, mm-hmm. you're waking up two hours to three hours before your body would naturally wake up. You're waking up when your thyroid's just supposed to peak. And all of a sudden now you're not producing peak thyroid, you're producing peak cortisol. So it's lowering your thyroid. Um, and it's also throwing up your melatonin is slowing, mm-hmm. uh, at a faster rate. So it's all of the recipes for disaster in terms of mood, weight gain. Like a lot of fitness people have trouble keeping the weight off because they're over-exercised and kind of like over-moving the whole day. And, um, and so it is very difficult. And so I, I feel for the entire industry because you're trying to do all the right things. You're trying to be a good role model for your clients. And yet you're underslept and overworked essentially. And mm-hmm. so the best thing that you can do, and, and usually I'm preaching, you know, three meals a day to most people. And the reason is that it's enough to get in all your micronutrients. You can space it out to allow your blood sugar to come back down to normal between meals. It doesn't overtax your digestion, which means you have more energy for the rest of your life. But for the fitness people, you probably have to eat more than three times a day. And the reason is you're on your feet. You can't take time to relax. So you need smaller meals. You need to be able to fuel liquid, easy to digest meals are going to be really helpful. So like maybe a smoothie for breakfast and one mid afternoon. And then a normal lunch, normal dinner. That's going to work for most fitness-based people or most active people in general. Okay. That's actually really good to say because it's, yeah, like you said, easy to digest. It's not, um, you're not getting super taxed with digesting. So that's, that's super helpful. And I know there are a lot of people who listen to this who maybe they're not in the fitness industry, but they wake up hella early to go work out. And you know how that is. Like once you everyone gets into wanting to be a personal trainer because you love working out and you love the whole gym that you go to, whatever, but everyone who works in that gym, they're like, dude, don't do it. They're like, stay safe, stay where you are. It's Um, a lot. It really is. Especially for the people that teach group exercise classes. They're, they're not just walking around with their clients and, and spotting them and doing things like that. They're literally working out oftentimes three, four times a day. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that for sure have the most dysfunction. I've worked with many, many of them. Um, CrossFit athletes used to be much worse. Now at least CrossFit preaches a little bit more balance in their programs. And so that's, that was a great thing to see because every day with CrossFit, it was workout of the day. It was personal best. And uh, people were underslept. They were undercarbed. And uh, they were under overstressed at work, and then they were overstressed with their workouts. And pe- too many people were getting injured, burnt out. It wasn't a sustainable model for CrossFit either. No, no. I used to wake up in the morning at like three, three forty-five, and then drive to work. But it, the classes I was teaching in would be like forty people, but it was, I mean, the room was made of cortisol. Everything was cortisol. Mm. It was black strobing lights, blue lights on three different screens, mirrors reflecting like small black room. And I had, you had to be on in the morning, you know, you have to be on. And so you don't, I didn't physically see daylight until nine or 10 AM when I would come out of the room and I would just like, what planet am I on? Um, and that was when I had an extreme anxiety, wasn't sleeping, um, excessive cystic acne all around the jawline, like crazy female issues. Everything was so, so messed up. And then as soon as I left, everything kind of got better. (laughs) Um, It is, it is crazy how the root cause can sometimes be our lifestyle, even if we love it, because that sounds like you're mm -hmm. young, you're teaching classes, a lot Mm -hmm. of energy. It's a party. Like you're having a great time, Yeah. but you don't understand how over time it's really breaking your body down. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, and I do want to ask about your personal lifestyle. So walk us through your movement strategy. Walk us through your intermittent fasting. What kind of meals are you eating throughout the day? And then also, what do you, what are some things that you recommend your kids eat? You know, obviously they're going to eat kind of what they want their kids. You have to have some flexibility, but what are some things that you like to make sure you also have in your house Two partner? Yeah, absolutely. So I keep my day very regimented. Um, a lot of people, I learned this a long time ago was basically in personal training. You had all your meals prepped, you had everything ready to go because you were out for the whole day. <clears throat> so, um, my work is extremely busy and I like to get home early enough to have dinner with my family. I like to be able to work out myself, all these different things. So I have to keep everything on par. But for my day, so basically I wake up at 5.30 to 6 a.m. I try not, I believe everyone should set an alarm to go to bed, but if possible, don't set an alarm to wake up. And that's because you want to wake up as naturally as you can. It's a great way not to be groggy when you wake up. So I have a wake light that wakes me up between 5.30 and 6. It starts to go on at 5.30 and it gets brighter each minute. It's just a Philips wake light. I've been using that now for a long, long time. I wake up an hour before the rest of my family. And I do that because everybody needs a little alone time, a little quiet time to start their day, especially if their job is in service of their family, other people, whatever it might be. So I just take that hour for myself. I get ready for the day. I'm prepped for the day. I do a little reading and, uh, and that's just my enjoyment time. Then when my, my daughters wake up, I make a smoothie for the whole family. So that's an easy thing uh, for us to do. I have a smoothie myself in the morning. Uh, if I'm going to have coffee, I do a half decaf and that's after the, the smoothie. A big thing you want to know about cortisol regulation is your coffee should be had after your meal or with food rather than an empty stomach, which just spikes the nervous system. What do so you think about, sense. what do you think about like adding, would you add coconut milk or, co or coconut oil to your, or ghee to your coffee? If you weren't doing a smoothie, if you're intermittent fasting in the morning. No, because all those things break a fast. They don't, they don't break blood sugar, but oh, they still true. break a fast. Yeah. So okay. I've, um, you know, a lot of people do that because it, it gives them more energy because there, there is calories. And then the <clears throat> fat is also a, obviously, sorry, the caffeine is obviously a stimulant. So I'm, I'm okay with that, but I just want people to know like, why are you doing it? That's basically yeah. the reason behind it, you know? And so what I'm trying to do is I eat balanced meals. You know, if, if the goal is to provide yourself with sustainable energy, I get enough protein, carbs, uh, fiber, and uh, fat at each meal to sustain that energy. And that's my goal. And then that's going to take me through lunch. My lunch is always going to be very simple. And it's going to be, um, I try to get two to three cups of vegetables at a meal. So it's just going to be vegetables. And for a starch, I might eat some like butternut squash. <clears throat> Everything is kind of frozen or it's just pre-prepped. It's easy. And I'm typically doing a plant-based lunch and it's just hemp hearts. And I'm putting some olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, and I'm doing some sea salt on that. Super simple plant-based, easy to digest. Uh, for three days a week when I'm doing weight training, I do a smoothie mid-afternoon because for me, I am not someone that gains weight easily. So again, it's part of knowing your body and I want energy going into the gym. So I'm not there for fat loss. I'm there for actually strength gain and for enjoying the workout. So on my running days, I don't do that. My cardio days, but my weight training, I do. And I really enjoy that. And then I, I do dinner and dinner then will be a um, paleo-based protein. It'll be fish, It'll be chicken. It'll be some type of meat. And then it'll be more vegetables. And typically I'm doing sweet potato, yams, yuca, that type of thing as well. So that's my nutrition for the day. I work out every day. I used to not work out. Um, I it would do like two days on one day off. Now, all I do is go weight training, cardio, weight training, cardio, weight training. And then the weekends are just active days. And the reason I do that is because I do 
I try to do everything at the same time every single day. So I learned that about three, four years ago, rhythms and routine. Your body will always have energy for what you want to do if it knows what it's coming next. That includes digestion. It includes exercise. I go to bed within a half hour at the same time every single night. Again, these are all things that you can get to over time. And yes, I break those rules sometimes. But the reason is, is that I used to be a complete insomniac. Now I go to bed right at 10 o'clock or just a little bit before. And the thing is, I fall asleep now in under 10 minutes. It used to take me hours to fall asleep at night because I didn't have a, set, a proper bedtime. And so these things, people say, well, that's pretty regimented. And I'll tell you right now, though, it gives me all the energy, vitality, zest for life that I want to be able to work as much as I want, have fun with my family, be in a good mood, wake up without an alarm clock, exercise every day. So it's, a, it's kind of a small price to pay. And plus, you know, what am I doing at 10 o'clock at night? Honestly, like I don't, I don't need to watch any more TV. I don't, I can already do that from, you know, uh, my wife and I will sit down at eight o'clock to nine o'clock each night and we'll watch whatever we want. Watch Yellowstone, which we love. We'll watch some, you know, show like that and that'll be it. And then that's it. And so we're done. Then we're getting ready for bed. We can read a little bit, have fun, talk, chat, whatever it might be. Damn. <laughs> that's impressive. That is quite a day. That is really great. And I also really like that you are having intentional plant-based meals in the morning or in the afternoons and in the mornings. I think that is huge. And it's, it's not just carbohydrates where you're spiking everything. You have your olive oils and your hemp hearts, you're still making it balanced and you're still getting your protein. And, and you're not the kind of person who's you're active. You probably have a really high resting metabolic rate. So you're naturally just burning all throughout the day. Are you two questions? Are you using a protein powder? And then if you are traveling, what types of, and you're off of your regimen, what types of supplements do you typically travel with? Yeah. So every, every day I wake up and use a product called daily nutritional support. Okay. I started using a product like this in 2010. It's an all-in-one. It contains all your vitamins, all your minerals, all your electrolytes, uh, 15 grams of a plant-based protein. And it's fantastic. That's it. it covers all of your bases. So if you never did anything else, okay, you got everything you needed for the day, plus sulforaphane and daily detox factors. And then mm -hmm. at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I have something that looks like this, the little vitamin box. And all I do is like, because again, I keep things simple. I, it's on my desk and there's one in my house. Again, it cost me like a whole $14, you know, for this mm -hmm. to make it easy to have one in both places because everything has to be easy. And so then I'm taking just the nutrients that because I lab test every six months. And so, okay, uh, you need a little bit more, a little bit more here. But honestly, after you've been doing it for a couple of years, you know where your body trends to. So I take a little bit of magnesium at night because I know I'd start to trend a little bit lower magnesium because I high stress, you know, lifestyle. Again, like not unhappy stress, but it's still a busy day. And I've got two, two young girls and, you know, all that, you know, there's stresses there as well. Good stress, but there's still, you know, a whole other job, which is taking care of them. So, you know, I, I take um, probably about eight nutritional supplements on a daily basis. And then I'll weave in other things that I choose to. Like I, like anybody else, I like using new things. I like trying new things. So I certainly do that. Um, and then like sometimes, like uh, you probably saw me drinking an electrolyte drink. Mm -hmm. I'll use an electrolyte drink if I'm going for a run that day and I'm going to be sweating a bit. So um, I don't do a ton of cardio, but I like as a personal trainer for 10 years, I told people you don't need to do cardio because it's much better to do high intensity interval training. This is like way back in the day because it is to transform your body. But the truth is yeah. I, I do a plant-based diet, not because 
it's going to be the best for body transformation because it's the best for overall health and longevity. Now, again, I still eat some meat, still eat some fish. I'm not saying that you can't do that. But if, when you look at like deeper into the science, um, it's, it's pretty clear. And like you were saying, I still get 80 to 100 grams of protein a day. And that's plenty. I don't need to get my body weight or more like I used to back in the day. And I'll do um, a sauna on the cardio days too, because my workouts aren't, my cardio is like not that long. It's like 30 minutes. So I'll hop in a sauna for 30 minutes too, uh, or maximum. If I'm doing a barrel sauna, like a finished sauna, I'll only be in there for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, maybe 20. If I'm doing an infrared sauna, sure, I'll be in there for 30 minutes. And so the electrolytes are, are just a little bit of icing on the cake. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's, bas- that's basically, that's the routine. That's the regimen. I give myself an hour for the workout time. So if half it's cardio, I can do some, some infrared sauna on those days or a regular sauna. Okay, then copy paste. I'm, I'm getting on it now. I'm going to go buy some butternut squash. Um, well, okay, that's perfect. So I like to hear whatever it's like. You always ask the marriage counselor, like, how's your marriage? You know, you have to know what's going on in the back end with you. Um, and before I let you go, I'd love to hear what you are most excited for uh, that you have coming up. Well, it actually just debuted. And so I'm, I'm actually looking forward to relaxing for a bit in terms of uh, what we are producing in terms of, so, you know, there's two things that I love and that is my family and that is my work. And I'm all in on both. I really am. So, you know, for, for my girls, I'm excited that they're at a new school, kind of starting a new post pandemic lifestyle and getting back into things. Cause they were doing online schooling forever in Boston, Massachusetts. They just mm-hmm. shut down for a long time. Um, so that that's a big lifestyle change, but then also it's been my goal for, a long time to find a way to produce really low cost lab testing because it changed my life. So there's no way I would have overcome all the different diseases I had if I hadn't found those practitioners that knew how to look at my gut, that look how to new, look for bacterial overgrowth, candida overgrowth in my gut, that knew how to look for food sensitivities, that knew how to look for adrenal issues. So it's always been a mission of mine because they're, they're expensive lab tests for the most part. So we are now producing because we are now at a point where we're, we're doing thousands and thousands of labs every single month, um, offering low cost to even free lab testing with our new, um, Iobowen program over at equal life. So that's been a game changer over almost 4,000 people took advantage of it in January, which is pretty fantastic. So yeah, that's, that's my goal. And the other thing is we just came out with a brand new longevity line, uh, which is 14 different products. And so I'm super excited about that because I'm big into research and formulation. And this took 18 months of research with myself and the chief scientist on our team. And then uh, we had to source all these ingredients from Europe, US, all over. And those just debuted. And those are actually a lot of hormonal products that we were using with women that were... So we use a dozen different great functional medicine companies. And one of these companies was backordered forever on their progesterone herbs, their estrogen herbs. And like, well... How are we supposed to help women who are low progesterone, low estrogen without using hormone, synthetic hormone therapy yeah. if we can't get these things? And so we started just formulating them on our own. And, um, and anyway, those are the two things I'm super excited about and both, uh, both just debuted. So now I'm just kind of sit back. 
Congratulations. That is amazing. And it's, it's very fitting. You like wife, two girls, dad knows all about what's going to be going on, how that he can help. Like, <laughs> just ask dad. I'll do my best. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, congratulations. That's fantastic. I'm going to link all of those things in the show notes and um, maybe I'll connect with you guys and we can do a giveaway on Instagram for some of your new products. That is so exciting. I can't wait to try yeah, it. I'd be happy to. That's great. hundred percent. Of course. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cabral, for your time. And I can't wait for more people to hear about this and to try out the testing. And I can attest that at-home testing, it's not what it was even a year ago, two years ago. Like it is up and to the right. It's just getting so much better. Um, Well, I'm so excited and thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. But so before we leave, where can everybody find you? What's your podcast and what's your Instagram? My podcast is called the Cabral concept. It's a daily show. So a little bite-sized bits of information, 15, 20 minutes long. <clears throat> and it's, there's over 2000 shows. So you can search for your topic at stephencabralcom forward slash podcast. Uh, my book is called the rain barrel effect, which essentially takes people through how you get sick and then how you get well again. Uh, and then my Instagram is just my name, Stephen Cabral. And that's Stephen with a PH. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Stephen, and we will talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. That was Dr. Stephen Cabral. Isn't he just a genius? I could listen to him all day long. Make sure that you are following along on social media to be up to date on brand new episodes and make sure you are subscribed and following on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you never miss an episode. It is the best way to support the podcast. Go write a review click follow, click subscribe, or just take a screenshot. Let us know that you're listening and tag us on social media so we can repost you. Thank you again for all of your support. Thank you so much for listening and be on the lookout for a giveaway with some of Dr. Stephen Cabral's brand new products. And without further ado, I will let you go on with your day. Have an amazing rest of your week and weekend and be on the lookout for the next episode. It is... It's a little teaser of something that we have planned for the next month. Hmm.